Welcome to Ask Dr. Julie Hanks, a safe place for healing conversations that educate and empower you to prioritize your dreams, revolutionize your family, and personalize your faith. I'm your host, Dr. Julie Hanks, a psychotherapist and coach offering online courses and programs to help women all over the world heal themselves and their relationships. Join me here every week as I coach a listener through a specific challenge and empower them with tools to find healing. Ladies and gentlemen, celebrating 100,000 download episodes, please put your hands together right now for Dr. Julie Hanks. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. We're going to take as many questions as we can fit into 30 minutes because I know you all appreciate short episodes. So you can, you know, listen to them on your walk or on your commute. So uh, bring on the questions. Who wants to start? Okay. Here we go. Okay. My question is, why are you so awesome? (laughs) But other than that, um, what have you done or how have you overcome mental obstacles to reach your dreams? So anything that's like, oh, I'm afraid to do that. Like, how have you changed that mindset to achieve your dreams? You know what? I haven't changed the mindset. I just have committed to do it anyway. Like, I have been terrified of pretty much everything I've ever done but I was committed to not letting fear stop me from reaching my goals. So the fear goes away after I made the commitment to do things anyway. And I think that's a mistake that a lot of people make is waiting until like, okay, I've got to feel confident to do this. No, you don't. You just do it, and that's how you build the confidence. Great question. I actually have two questions, and I'll let you decide. One's about family relationships, and one's about aspirational shame. Okay. Um, Let's do aspirational shame. Okay. A little bit of aspirational shame, because at my stage, I don't have any aspirations. I'm just tired. Mm. And there's a big push that somehow I'm supposed to want to achieve all these things, Mm -hmm. And I don't. I want to sleep in. I want to go to lunch. I want to get a massage. Yeah. I Amen. don't want to do anything else. Yeah. I don't want to be responsible to anyone. Yeah. You do you. Uh, do it. Sleep in. Like, you have made it to this point in your life where you have those options. So do it. Whose life are you living, you know? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to do the other question? Sure. Okay. This is circling back to what Sarah mentioned. Um, Not everything is the way it's meant to be. And when that's, there's not a way that some of the things we grieve are just how they're supposed to be, and you're learning what you're supposed to learn because that's how it was supposed to happen. And just some direction on what then? So give me more detail. My son has schizophrenia. And I can't believe that that's how his life was meant to be. I mean, that's almost sadder and more tragic. And grieving it is really hard because it's continual. It just keeps coming back. 
Right. First of all, I want to say I'm so sorry. Mental illness is, that is such a hard challenge because, like you said, it it's continual, right? It's a, it's a chronic condition that he has. I think you're on track grieving. Like, it's going to be a process, and it's going to be a cycle that you kind of keep moving through. But every time you move through the cycle of grief, anger, you know, denial, anger, bargaining, acceptance, every time you move through it, you will learn something that you didn't know before. And it's not going to make anything better. It's not going to make your son better, but it'll make you a more compassionate it has done that. Person. It has done that. And and that's that's all you can hope for. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Hey, um, Julie. Um, so I love the doctrine of Heavenly Mother, and I really appreciate what you've said about her in recent times. Uh, my question is, how is the concept of a gendered God affirming of the LGBTQ plus community, and what do you think divine gender looks like? Wow, that's a good one. <laughs> so I, I am open to God being totally different or to them being totally different than what we think. And I am open to a theology that includes LGBTQIA plus people. And... I mean, that's all I really have to say. I'm open to that. I don't have any answers. I think we have a long way to go in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in being uh, inclusive and, and expanding our theology, but I'm hopeful. Okay, thank you. Appreciate Thanks. it. Great question. Um, okay, I'm Julie's son, by the way. Um, <laughs> I got, thought I, got, I recognized I, you. Okay, I have got two questions. So sure. first, uh, who's your favorite child? <laughs> I'm going to pass on that oh, okay. one. Oh, Macy's raising her hand over there. <laughs> okay, and then the second one is like, what's been the hardest, um, the hardest thing, like, or par- hardest part about being my mom, like, or throughout gro- me growing up? Like, what was the hardest thing? <laughs> the hardest part of being your mom. <laughs> Um, reminding you to do your jobs, which, which is not bad, right? Like, I mean, this is a good kid. That's my biggest complaint is that he doesn't do his jobs and I have to remind him. That's it. Sometimes you do him sometimes. That's true. And I compliment you. So, but you're, you are a good kid. He's going to Uganda in September on an LDS mission. So, Okay. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. <laughs> I'm not answering that first question ever, just so you know. <laughs> okay, so I have been in many, many uh, singles wards throughout my time, and uh, I've never really been connected to most of them, probably because I'm more introverted and I just don't like the uh, single scene there. So my question is, how can I confidently transition to a more conventional ward from a YSA ward? Um, I'm just worried about finding a place in that family award, quote-unquote, even though I don't even feel connected to a YSA award? That's a really good question. So I think, unfortunately, you are going to be in charge of your experience, right? Like, you can feel left out or you can take action to be included, right? Um, In the LDS church, family wards 
tend to be focused around families. And so there will be things that feel exclusionary to you, and you get to decide if you're going to use that to step away from people or to step toward people. And so you, you decide who you want to be in that, in that ward. And not, don't let them decide, like pigeonhole you. Oh, you're, you're the, you know, whoever, the single one, the, mm-hmm. and we have a lot of work to do in the LDS church in terms of expanding and not being so focused on families. Because I, I heard a stat recently that over 50% of the church members are single. So, I mean, you're, you're in the majority, right? So um, decide who you want to be in that ward and, and be that person. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Hi, um, my question. Um, so I have been working through some trauma over the last few years. Um, and in the deepest parts of my mind, there are voices um, of those who have caused that trauma. Um, is there a way to work through and let go of those voices and really kind of be free of that, or will that kind of always be there? I think it's a process. It's not going to be an event, like all of a sudden they're gone. But what I suggest that you do when you hear those voices, you name them, oh, that is my cousin or whoever it was that hurt you, and name the voice and say, you know, I don't need you anymore. Trying to not have those voices is probably not going to work, right? When you try to not think something, we tend to think more about it. Right. (laughs) So name it, say, I don't need you anymore, and let it kind of pass through your mind instead of focusing on it or resisting it and like, oh, I shouldn't be feeling this. I don't want them to have control over me. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. Just name it, let it pass through, and you move forward with your life. I love that. Thank you. You're welcome. Hi. Hi. Um, Okay, so when you spend three decades of your life being a people pleaser, and you're raised in a culture where you're supposed to please everyone around you, um, and then one day you wake up and your brain explodes and you have this spiritual expansion and everything has changed for you, your beliefs, how you choose to live your life, setting boundaries, all of these things, Um, and you've never felt closer to God, and you've never felt further away from church or church culture, and everyone around you is looking at you like, something's different. We don't like it because it's not that person. How do you still move forward um, in, in growth and expansion while you're still stuck in that old life with those old relationships? That's such a great, such a great question. And I think a lot of people here are nodding and can relate to that. Um, okay, there are lots of different pieces layers, to that. Layers, layers. Yeah, yeah. So just so you know, it's really normal for people to resist when you change. That's just normal. That always happens because families and relationships want to maintain homeostasis. It's easier for us if the people around us always act like they've always acted because then we don't have to think much about it. So you are changing this system around you and people are going to rebel. That means you're growing. So that's a good thing. So if you can frame it as, okay, this is a sign that I'm growing and I'm making people uncomfortable, and that's a good thing. 
Okay. Okay. So that's, that's the first kind of reframe. Yeah. Um, that you're doing good work. <laughs> right. Yeah. If, if you're not making people around you uncomfortable some of the time, you're not, probably not growing in the way you need to. Yeah. So then the second piece is you practicing tolerating their discomfort. Like letting them be uncomfortable, letting them be confused about you, mm-hmm. letting them have questions about, you know, where did the other version go? Yeah. And you getting comfortable with that because you know in your heart that you are on track for where you want to be in your life. Yeah. Okay. okay. I love that. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so something that's been in my experience with my, my faith journey is, you know, you, we all experience like people maybe looking at us, at us differently and feeling um, differently about us. But I also have, um, I'm starting to get those feelings of animosity towards other people. And so my question is, how can I love, respect, or accept those who have beliefs that I find harmful, toxic, or outdated? And it's been really difficult. It's kind of like love the sin or not the sin. I hate that it's been used against LGBTQ, and I also feel like I'm, I myself am doing it to other people as well, if that makes sense. Yeah. So this, I think, is a chance for you to develop compassion for people who are in a different place. So I don't like the hate the sin, love the sinner either. Yeah. I don't, that doesn't resonate with me. But what does is recognizing that everybody's on their own journey. They're in a different place than you. And you were in a different place last year or five years ago or ten years ago. And so you don't have to accept um, hurtful behavior, but you can accept this person's on a journey. They're not where I want them to be. And I can choose to associate with them or not. But... I don't have to resent or have negative emotions toward them because that just hurts you. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) Okay, so my question is, well, I need some maybe some fresh eyes looking at how to repair um, a strained relationship with a teenage daughter. a couple of things. I don't feel like I related well to teenagers when I was a teenager. So that's one thing. <laughs> that makes and, it really hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, and just any general tips. I mean, I'm, I, I think I'm a pretty mindful, conscientious parent. I'm, I'm aware of my faults and the ways I can be better. Mm-hmm. But we're just always, whatever I say is wrong, whatever she says, it just triggers me. I don't know if that's the right word, but mm-hmm. it, it just something comes up. And so it's just kind of always on edge when we're interacting. So So what is your biggest fear? um, It might be two. Um, Fears. That she she doesn't uh, know how much I really love her. Um, I don't know if I can, I, I don't think I show her that, maybe the way she needs to see it. Um. And I think it probably goes back to I'm not enough. That's just a a common theme in my life is I'm just not enough. Okay. So your daughter is mirroring to you that you're not enough. When she gets in power struggles with you, she's mirroring that 
one of your biggest fears back to you. So how would you be different with her if you believed you were enough? How would that change how you interact with her? Um, I probably would let things slide. Wouldn't take things as personally because I would recognize this really isn't about me. It's just, you, it just is happening, you know? You just answered your question. <laughs> Okay. You just answered your question. It's not about you. Yeah. She's not a reflection of you. She's not an extension of you. She's her own person. And so the more you can kind of see her as separate and not a reflection of you, and that it's not about you. She's just trying to find her way yeah. in, in her life. So you answered your own question. <laughs> well done. <laughs> no, but thank you. That's exactly what I needed to hear. You saying it's not about me. Yeah, and it's, it's not about you. She's finding her way, and, and that's what I see in her, mm -hmm. the way she's acting. Yeah. Is, and ask her, what can I do to better love you? How can I show that I love you? Because I'm afraid that maybe you don't know how much I love you. Ask her. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Okay, my question is, how can I manage feeling like I need permission to do something? This shows up for me in my business and in my family life. I just, I can't always do something until I get an external confirmation that I can, yes, go ahead and do that. Okay, so were you like that when you were little? Probably. And whose permission did you need? I needed my parents. Most likely okay. their permission or friends, peers, just okay. anyone else to give me permission to go ahead and do what I wanted to do. Okay. What's really cool is you know what you want to do. So I want you just to start doing it. Even though you, like, you recognize, oh, I want to ask people, just do it. Don't ask. Okay. And as you practice, you'll get more confident. But you already know what you want to do. So... That's the hardest part for a lot of people is like, well, what do I actually want? You know. So just, as you practice doing it, making those choices, taking action without checking with everybody else, it'll just get easier. You've got this. What do I do if it involves family finances? Like if I want to take a trip and mm -hmm. that's family money, how do I navigate that? Yes. Yeah, so do you have a partner? Yes, I'm okay. married. Have, have you set up rules of, like, if we spend more than X, we need to talk with each other or that kind of thing? Yeah, that, okay. that X is really low right now, so. <laughs> we need to raise that X, yes. right? <laughs> Ten million dollars. <laughs> yes. Okay, so who set that so low? Um, we set it. We're kind of young, young family still, so it's low for now. Okay. Uh, but it sounds like that's not working for you. Yeah, I'd like it. So what if, you had a, what if you didn't ask permission, but you just had a conversation as an equal, as an equal, we need to raise X. Yeah, that's not working doable. for me. Yeah. And not asking for permission, but just being on the same level. This isn't working for me. Let's renegotiate this. Okay. I can do that. Okay. Good job. <laughs> Thank you.
trying to be obedient with the mic here. <laughs> um, so my husband and I are currently on the same page after a long journey of faith discussions, and we've been talking lately about how to um, pass on what we find of value in our faith, um, while at the same time honoring the agency of our children. I mean, my oldest is only nine. It's not like he has a lot of aspirations for which, you know, what he wants to do with his religious life. Um, <laughs> at nine, right? Most exactly. kids, whatever. <laughs> um, but I, I know a family whose motto has been all together in the temple, and it's also caused a lot of pain as that hasn't come to fruition as adult children have made choices that have hurt their parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm trying to figure out how do I feel like I feel like I want to pass on what I see as a value. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to do that in a way that allows that agency to be honored, if that makes so sense. So what do you value? That's a good question. Um, I mean, I value my membership in a church mm-hmm. and a contribution to that community. And I value most of those doctrines. I value, I think, above that, general um, principles of, of love and kindness and tolerance and acceptance mm-hmm. and those kinds of things. So my sister, who is here, said this brilliant thing um, several months ago. She tells her kids, we believe everything in the LDS church that's true. If it's not true, you don't have to believe it. And this is how you know in your heart, you will know what's true. And so teaching them to trust their intuition, their conscience, their Holy Spirit, whatever you want to call it, teaching them to trust that, that you can recognize truth, I think will be the biggest gift that you can give them. Okay. I like that. Thank you. You're welcome. Hi, I figured I'd get up and uh, represent the dudes here for a minute. I'm Um, so glad. (laughs) So my wife and I have been married for about four and a half years now, but we had a really hard engagement. Um, Specifically, that was around, I I had a lot of anxiety around feeling confident in my choice to A, get married, and A, get married to my wife specifically. Um, And I think part of what it was around was, I think I felt like I should have gotten a more direct and obvious and specific answer from Heavenly Father as I as I prayed to know if I should get married to my wife, Grace. And I think, and, and, and you know, obviously we did get married and I, and I believe it was the right thing to do, mm-hmm. but like, I feel like I suffered like hurt feelings between me and Heavenly Father. Like you should have told me more clearly. Yeah, <laughs> and and I just, I think I, I, I think it's continued to affect like my ability and confidence in my ability to receive revelation. And I just, I, it's, it's like my feelings are just still hurt and I don't know how to heal that hurt. Yeah. Yeah. So you had an expectation that wasn't met. So there's some grieving that, that you might have to do about that. Like I thought it was going to be like this and it was like this. I don't regret it. You know, I don't regret my choices, Yeah, but I think what that can teach you is that agency is the gift. Like, you get to choose. 
if it's a good thing, like, trust your heart. You chose well. And maybe that is the answer, not some, you know, oh, <laughs> like angel showing up saying, marry her. Yeah. Um, that you wanting good things and making decisions that are in your best interest, what if that is the answer? Like, what if that's good enough? You're looking at me like, I'm yeah. buy it. I don't, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I just, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I just, I think I just, I don't know. I just, I don't know. Like, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. Yeah. I do. And I, I, I think I'm just still working on kind of an internalizing that and, and kind of, it's, it's one thing to like, kind of, I guess, say that in my head and like, kind of understand that conceptually. And, then and it's another it. thing to like, have that really like come and, and heal that hurt in my heart yeah. between me and Heavenly Father. Yeah. Have you asked for that healing? Maybe not as specifically as I should. I think you should ask specifically, help me heal this and help me recognize and validate my choice and help me to trust myself. Because it sounds like you just didn't, you didn't trust yourself. You trusted kind of some other experience Mm -hmm. that didn't happen. But what if you can trust yourself because you are a good person? That sounds good. (laughs) (laughs) So try... Try internalizing that. Try asking, asking for healing. Okay. Yeah, specifically yeah. for that. Because okay. it sounds like it's still, after four and a half years, it's, it's still festering. And yeah. it doesn't need to. You've kind of moved on. You have this great marriage, this mm-hmm. great relationship. You're doing good. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Hi. 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 Two questions. One, what is a daily habit you have cultivated that has really allowed you to level up in life and the goals you want to achieve? Second question, saying this as a convert to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, why are so many members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints afraid of sex? And how do we, my husband and I, raise children who embrace their sexuality and that part of themselves in the most beautiful, healthy way possible? All right. Two totally different questions. I love it. So leveling up. There aren't a lot of things that I do every day consistently, but one of them is exercise. And I have my boot camp friends here. <laughs> is I, I exercise with a community every day. So I get the social and then I get the physical and that just starts my day and kind of helps me to, to accomplish what I want to. You know, I actually have that down for whatever reason. Yeah. Same thing, community, all of that. I was going to, I should have said aside from exercise because <laughs> I felt like it was going to be There's, in the top three. So, um, Being willing to take risks. Like starting a podcast is a risk. Thinking that anybody would care what you have to say is a risk, right? So taking taking risks, trying new things. I'm not afraid to try new things, and I think that's part of um, how we've created our lives together in my family, you know, is just trying new things. Okay, second question, sex. (laughs) Are you comfortable with sex? I am. Okay, 
That, <laughs> are you comfortable? Are you? That is the most important thing. If you're comfortable, then you're going to have an ongoing conversation from the time they're born until they're adults about bodies, sexuality, masturbation, um, you know, sex with a partner, consent. You're going to have those conversations from the time they're born by how you respond to diaper changes. Like, do you go, ew, gross, that part of your body's gross? Or you say, good job, or, you know, way to go, your body works, it's amazing. On up to when they're touching themselves in the, you know, grocery store, and you're like, hey, that feels really good, right? Yeah, you know what, that's to do in private, not at the grocery store. So, you know, and you don't shame, and you just kind of redirect so you're going to have those conversations because you're comfortable with sexuality and with your body. That's the most important gift you can give them is you doing that work and you've already done it. So just have those open conversations. You're welcome. <laughs> okay, so you talk about, um, you know, it's kind of our job to disappoint our parents. But <laughs> I do talk about that. <laughs> Sorry, Mom, wherever you are. But how do you take the steps to, like, be brave enough to have those conversations? Yeah. So is there a specific conversation you're waiting to have? Yeah. Are you willing to share? Um, I think a lot of people can probably relate. It's just kind of having, you know, figuring out what you believe and what you take with you with the LDS Church and kind of what you need to or choose to leave behind. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't look how, you know, you were raised or how your parents' generation thinks or says it should be. So, you know, how do you start having that conversation of my life looks different than yours, but that doesn't mean, you know, I don't have the same values or same even beliefs as you do. What you just said, was right on. Hey, Mom and Dad, I want to have kind of a hard conversation. Are you available? So if they're available, then you say exactly what you said. My life probably doesn't look like yours. You might be disappointed or hurt. These are the values that I still have that you taught me. <laughs> but how do you get brave enough to say, hey, parents... <laughs> You call them up. <laughs> like I, I mentioned before, you have to do it anyway. You're not going to feel brave. You're going to be scared to death, and you're going to know that they're going to be disappointed or devastated or whatever they're going to be. Mm -hmm. And you make a decision that I'm a grown-up, and I get to choose my life. And I love them enough to be honest with them. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. Thanks to Alexis. I'm asking a more meaty, a meaty question. <laughs> Are you coaching so. people, Alexis? Okay. <laughs> yes. Okay. So I, I am a coach and I am like my own avatar as in, you know, I went through a struggle finding out about my husband's porn use and I'm in a very committed marriage, um, which is awesome and amazing. 
And in the beginning, I remember when I found out about it, it felt like cheating. It felt like cheating. And then as I cleaned up my thinking about it, I recognized it was more just the, it was more of a betrayal of trust that I was able to work out. Um, my question is, is like, so I feel like for me in my circumstance, it was easy to clean up because of the relationship, committed relationship I have with my husband, pretty open apart from him hiding it out of shame. But like, when do you think, you know, some, I do hear people talk about like an abuse component or, or it is cheating type. Like when, I, I think there's a spectrum personally, like it's very unique for each marriage, but I would love to just hear what your thoughts are about about. It. About whether, like... Whether you should stay together no, or... No, no, no. Sorry, that probably isn't very clear. Um, like, more about, like, when does it be... Like, when... If it becomes... A, if it is abusive, like a husband looking at porn, where, like, where would that line be? Does that make sense? <laughs> I feel like it's, like, a total spectrum, and it depends more on, like, the trust... The relationship of trust in the relationship... Yeah, there's for some so couples, many, it doesn't matter. There's right? so many factors, right? Yeah. So what what is your what is your contract, your commitment to each other? Yeah. I mean, there are some couples yeah. um who it, it's not a problem if okay. someone's looking at like they don't care. Right. In highly religious cultures, uh-huh. it tends to be a bigger problem. Mm-hmm. So it it just depends on the couple. It depends on your contract. It depends on your beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends on, like you said, it's on the spectrum. There's so many things. Mm-hmm. And so I really can't give a succinct answer to that with, mm-hmm. because, I, like you said, it's on the spectrum. Okay. That's, no, that's, that's kind of my take is like it's a very much, very much like an it depends. Yeah. But I just thought... Why not ask Julie? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad you did. So thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. Hi. Um, my question has to do more with uh, faith crisis transition issues. Um, so for the last five or six years, um, I've been trying to figure out what I believe, if I want to stay in the church, if I don't. Uh, I lost two friends to suicide uh, who were LGBTQ oh. members, and... Um, and while that wasn't obviously everything, uh, they grew up in a very religious culture, family didn't support them, and so that was honestly a big factor, um, which really took a toll on my testimony and religious beliefs. Um, and so as I've been in this period of trying to decide what I'm going to do with my life, mm-hmm. um, I feel like I can't fully live my life or develop meaningful relationships until I just figure it out. Um, and religion is obviously not a thing that you're going to have a one-time checkbox figure it out. Um, but I'm afraid to start dating because if I date uh, LDS guy and then I leave, then I've ruined, you know, his eternal family. And I feel like I can't go on with my life until I decide what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I guess my question is just how to live my life um, while still being in this period of my life where there's so many unknowns, mm-hmm. uh, whether I don't know if I will stay in a couple of years and just uh, have more nuanced views or if I would leave. Yeah, great question. So specifically about dating moving forward? Is that uh, kind of- dating is probably one of the bigger ones where okay. I feel like there's a lot that depends yeah. um, on religion. So I think that's a lot of pressure to put on yourself to have to figure it out before you move forward. Mm-hmm. I think by being authentic in those relationships, in friendships or dating relationships, and saying, I'm not sure where I am with this. Right now I'm in. I might be out. Is this something, you know, are, are you willing to go on this journey with me? Um, I think you can, you can still develop relationships. 
religion doesn't define you. You are a multidimensional person. And I know it's a big aspect, right? If you're in a in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, it's like a huge thing. But it's not all of you. So be authentic in those relationships. But do not wait till you have it figured out because you might be waiting a really long time because <laughs> there's some of us that are still trying to figure it out. So don't don't wait. Just be authentically you and be upfront about where you are. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. This question, I'm going to try to make it concise here. Okay. Okay, I want to talk about healing. Healing personally as an individual, healing as a church, and healing as a nation. And I want to talk about what that looks like. Do you want to like. come on another podcast episode? Yeah, let's do episode? it. Let's do okay, because I'm not convinced that I'll be able to come up with anything that will answer your question. <laughs> well, I, but we can try. Let's try. Let's okay. try. Okay, so I feel like I have a pretty good idea of what like individual healing looks like. It's messy. It's not always starting from one point and getting to the next. And I think you can kind of go and then even move backwards. Mm -hmm. But a lot of what I do is I'm trying to create more healing in communities, like in social kind of constructs, like mm -hmm. as a nation. And I feel like there are two really kind of extreme ways of doing it, what people think, is either leave the past alone, don't go there, move forward, or let's go there and maybe even stay there for a minute. And so how, if our goal is healing, how can we do that more as a collective group from a psychological perspective? Yeah. 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 So I think it's similar to individual healing. You have to go there and you have to acknowledge where you've been and the emotions or where we've been as a country or, you know, um, specifically about race, I'm assuming that you're yes. talking about. Yeah. To recognize, look, this is our history. What do we need to do to make it right? What do we need to do to heal? And we don't have to stay there forever. I think people are afraid to go there because it, they're afraid they won't ever leave it. Mm -hmm. And that's the same with individuals in healing. Like, I don't want to go back and go through this abuse situation or whatever, but that's part of it is kind of re retelling the story in, with a new lens. And I think that applies to individuals, smaller groups, and, and cultures as well. And what if our racial realities are very different, but we're still trying to collectively heal? Yeah, I think, I think there are so many different levels of that, right? So there's the individual level, mm -hmm. and people have to go through their own own process, right? So communities have to go through their own process. Like the LDS church has a process that we need to go through regarding race. And so individually, collectively, nationally, we have to go through that. And it, we don't have to have the same experience. We're not going to have the same experience, right? Right. But we can, we can heal. We can look at ourselves. We can, we can do better. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Um, so I've been married for six years. Um, my, my parents and one of my brothers have been pretty resistant to changes in the family culture um, since I've been married. Uh, things like you know, scheduling holidays together and especially um, including my wife as much as they do me. 
Um, so what, what can I do to help them uh, work with us to build relationships that work for everybody instead of just having power struggles? Okay, great question. And I'm sure he's not the only person who's been through this. Do you support, if you get invited to something, do you say, I'm not coming unless my wife is invited? Uh, yes, that's pretty much how we've been. Okay, good. That would be my first, first piece of advice. So your loyalty is now to your wife. So you decide together how you're going to do holidays, and you inform your parents. They're not the boss anymore. And they may think they are, but they only are if you and your wife let them. Right? Are there ramifications for taking charge? Yes. They will be disappointed. They might be angry. They might give you the cold shoulder. How do you tell me what do they do. Uh, yeah, it's, it's been kind of a mixture of those and still ongoing. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and so can, is that okay? Like, can you, can you practice tolerating that? Like, yeah, they're upset. Doesn't mean I'm a bad person. It means they're being immature. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think I've settled into knowing that it's most important for me to make sure that uh, my relationship with my wife is, is strong and intact. And, yeah. and so as long as that is there, I, you know, I think I can handle um, whatever may happen with my family of origin and the people there. Yeah, so I think you're on track. You and your wife need to decide how you're going to handle these situations, when you're going to go to whose house, and and then practice tolerating them being upset. And are you are you Latter-day Saint? Yes. So this is a common problem in highly religious cultures and a lot of other cultures too around the world. But parents think their parents forever. <laughs> like we're kind of taught that in the LDS church. And so they're probably confused. Like, why aren't they listening? Because we're the parents. So you have to kind of say, yeah, you are the parent, but the role is different now by, by your behavior. Right. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Dr. Julie Hanks. <laughs> yes. I hope you can hear how excited I am to be in front of you. <laughs> I can. How are you today? I'm great. That was my question. Thank you. <laughs> that was easy. But what a great night. Can we give her a round of applause, everyone? <laughs> Thank you. You're great. We didn't even plan this. <laughs> no, I'm as authentic as they can be. <laughs> my name is Alexia. I'm from Europe. Uh, and my question today is about assertiveness. Uh, today, why are you laughing? You think I'm assertive? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I hold that microphone with confidence. <laughs> so tonight, before I came to this event, I finished reading your book, Assertiveness for Women. What a great read. Highly recommend, everyone. <laughs> I really listening. didn't plan this. I promise. <laughs> no, I love you with authentic love and appreciation. <laughs> Thank you. So, Dr. Hanks, my question about assertiveness is, here's a little background information. Um, as a European, we are known for being bold, confident, outspoken, straightforward, <laughs> and assertive, right? So I grew up believing that I'm assertive. However, as a convert to the church, 
the last 10 years have been very challenging because my assertiveness was not appreciated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had to suppress my assertiveness for the sake of fitting in. Mm -hmm. And I had to conform instead of being an independent thinking and reason for myself. At least that was the impression that I got mm -hmm. from church meetings and cultural interactions. Um, before I came to BYU, I was told that I have to change because otherwise people will not like me. Aww. Yeah, I know, so sad. Aww. Uh, and I resisted for a very long time, but that actually was true. People didn't like me for being outspoken, strong, confident, opinionated, strong-willed, whatever. The list of adjectives is really long. I'm sure you can relate. <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> so my question is actually not about myself because I have a story and I hope to tell it uh, one day in my own way, in my own time. I have a question about your experience. I know that assertiveness has been a journey for you. I know you haven't always been assertive. You share lots of personal experiences in the book, Assertiveness for Women. So I know a little bit uh, about you and your background and your upbringing and even your marriage. <laughs> Hello, husband. We know you're amazing <laughs> and supportive and yes. perfect for you, <laughs> Dr. <laughs> Hanks. So my question for you is, from your perspective, what's, what's, what it's been like for you uh, to strive for assertiveness in your personal life and how is it received? What are some specific challenges in our patriarchal LDS culture? And what is your advice on how to overcome it? Thank you. Great. Thanks for sharing everything and, and for your enthusiasm. I love it. Uh, my experience, so I have learned that it's not always productive to be assertive, but I can be assertive when, when it matters to me. So it's like selective assertiveness. Sometimes if it doesn't matter, I'm like, eh, it's not worth saying it. It's not worth, it's not worth it. So kind of what you're talking about is like reading your audience, right? So there's a little bit of nuance in there. So it's not always like, well, I'm just going to say whatever I want in every situation. I, I'm not like that. But if it really matters, I will speak up. Is it always well received? No. It's not. But assertiveness, like you probably read in the book, is not to please other people. It's so you can express yourself, so you can be known, so you, you can share your feelings, thoughts, wants, and needs. Right? So it's not necessarily about pleasing or getting an outcome out here. Um, I love that you bring this up because we do, in the LDS culture, at least in the U.S., there is a culture of nice and there's a very specific way that women are supposed to behave, which is, you know, meek and quiet and submissive, right? And there are a lot of us here who don't fit that mold. <laughs> and so I think we can all work together to change, change the culture by, by speaking up more than we have. Um, but, but I think the older I get, the less I have to always share my opinion, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So learning how to read the room, I think, is important. Mm -hmm. 
Um, well, I think you're amazing, and I hope you don't change. <laughs> Let's give her a hand. <laughs> Let's say I'm relearning, thanks to you, how to be assertive all over again. So thank you so much, Dr. Oh, Hanks. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so fun. Thanks, everybody, for your awesome questions. Thank you for listening to the podcast and downloading it. It is because of all of you that we are here tonight. So thank you. Thank you for listening to Ask Dr. Julie Hanks, a podcast helping real women seek solutions to life's biggest challenges. If you'd like to learn more, you can connect with me on social media at Dr. Julie Hanks and at drjuliehanks.com, where you'll find information about virtual groups, coaching, and online courses. For therapy services in Utah, visit wasatchfamilytherapy.com. And if you are enjoying this podcast, please consider reviewing and rating it on Apple Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. talk to Dr. Julie Hanks about this question. Well, now's your chance. I want to have you on my podcast. So email hello at drjuliehanks.com with your question and the reason why you want to be on the podcast. And we may just choose you for a free coaching session.